0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? You've got that beautiful Florida glow about you all. I'm working on mine, you know. (laughs) Maybe later down the beach. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you for Pastor Stephen and Joy for opening your lives and your home to me. I've been very blessed just getting to know you guys. Your leaders are leaders of integrity and purity and they're the kind of leaders that I would follow. So you guys are very blessed to, uh, to for have these guys leading the charge, don't you think? Why don't you just give these guys a round of applause, huh? God is good. It is, we are blessed when we have leaders of integrity. People who, behind closed doors, are the same as what you see up here. Where they have that godly character that is special. And you need to honour that and make sure these guys constantly know that you are thankful for the sacrifice that they give to you. Let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Holy Spirit, thank you for this time we have. I pray that you would uh, enable me to really share all that you've put in my heart. Thank you that you are here, that your presence is here. And Lord, I just ask you that you would really do something this morning uh, that we haven't seen yet. You know, we've seen some special things earlier on, but I pray you take it up a level. Take it up a notch. Thank you that your spirit is here. I just ask you to anoint my lips, Lord, and I pray that When we leave this place, there will be one name upon our lips, and that would be the name of Jesus. We love you. We give you all the glory, all the praise. You are worthy of it all. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. In John chapter 4, I'm just going to read to you guys now. I'm going to kind of let the Holy Spirit lead me on this adventure. Does that sound good? You see, I like to do this kind of thing. I, you know, I, I can, you can come with prepared talks and stuff, but I just like the Holy Spirit. I, I do this every day on the streets, man. I go out and I just like, Lord, what are, we, what are we doing? Just take me where you want to take me. I'm following you. You're my captain. I'm following wherever you're going. So I prefer, it's more exciting for me doing it this way. So I'm going to let the Lord lead it. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead. Let me tell you this. See, it's beginning. This is good. So in in the early church, uh, the early church, early Celtic church, I'm from Ireland, and St. Patrick and um, all these kinds of guys, St. Columba, all these early Celtic, early fathers of the church, they, they, uh, they refer to the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. That's what they call them. All these amazing, you know, people who led the way, like, and the early Celtic church it was that they saw the greatest evangelistic movement that Britain had ever seen when these guys came along. And they referred to the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. And I believe this is why. Because, well, I mean, this is why, but I believe that this is the reason that they saw it, because of the way they saw the Spirit. They said that he's unpredictable and untameable. That's why they called him the wild goose. Now, if you can predict, and if you're trying to tame the Spirit, then it's probably you doing it and not him. You see, the Holy Spirit, he's unpredictable. I don't know what he's going to do here this morning. No idea. And I can't tame him, and I'm not going to try. But all I know is that he is on the move. All the time, every day, every second of every day, he's moving in your life. When you're asleep, he's moving. When you're awake, he's moving. He's moving, he's moving, and he's got a plan for your life. And he's always moving. And all he's asking you to do is follow us, is to follow wherever he goes. It's exciting that way. That's how it's meant to be. If you can kind of work it all out, you're doing it wrong, okay? Are you willing to move this morning and follow the wild goose? Come on, let's do it. Okay, so John chapter 4. I'm just going to uh, read this quickly because um, for time's sake. So John uh, chapter 4, we read the story of the woman at the well. I'm sure you guys know the, the story of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. Are you all aware of this? Okay. So it's a story where do we have a, a story where. Let me just summarise it real quick. So Jesus is walking through the streets through this uh, this uh, Jericho, and he's thirsty. Now back in those days, him and his disciples they walked a lot. There was no Uber, so there was a lot of walking going on. Yeah. So you had to have good quality sandals. So there's a lot of walking. They're walking everywhere, kind of just doing their thing. And suddenly, they they find themselves at a well because that's where you get water. There was no, like, Walmart or anywhere like that back in the day to get a bottle of water. So you have to go to the well and draw water. Now, obviously, they were thirsty, so they needed to drink. So as they stop there, Jesus sees a woman. And he begins to share with her. Now, it was a little bit awkward because, culturally, because... Men didn't really speak to women, and also she was a Samaritan, he was a Jew, so kind of like Jesus is smashing all the all the rules, which he kind of does in a good way, and he's like, hey, this doesn't matter, this doesn't matter, this is what we're going to do, and he says to her, can I get you a drink? And then he begins to share the difference between H2O and heavenly water. Now you see what's interesting as the backstory for this is the woman was a shame scarred lady. She was hiding in the shadows, masking her face. She was living a promiscuous lifestyle. She was a kind of lady that didn't want to be around anybody. She was embarrassed. She was a sinner. She was ashamed. So what she used to do is that she'd put a, a hood over her head. And at 12 noon, the alarm would go off. You see, 12 noon, that was kind of the sixth hour. It was when, you know, like the sun was at its hottest, which meant everybody else would be at home kicking back, having a siesta, watching the TV, chilling out, yeah? So she goes out hood on she's kind of making sure nobody's around and she goes to get her water didn't want to see anybody and in that moment Jesus appears and he begins to reveal things to her in her life begins to call the things out, out calls out the gold in her life he says this is who you are but this is who you can be that kind of thing and then it culminates where he says I am the Messiah and he reveals himself as the Messiah that's the kind of pinnacle moment yeah she suddenly, what does she do? She leaves her water. Now, it wasn't just that she was thirsty, so I'm just gonna grab a drink. This was more, it was more than this. You see, the woman needed to drink every single day. The most two important things to the human body are oxygen and H2O. So she needed H2O to survive. Yeah? She needed that water to survive, but she didn't want to be there. But she had to. It was like an addict who needed his fix. So she built her whole life around the well. But the Bible tells us, she says, I don't even want to be here. Can you give me something so I don't have to keep coming back? She didn't want to be here. So she goes to this well, a place she doesn't even want to be, but she has to because she needs this daily sustenance. In that moment, Jesus meets her and says, there's another kind of water you see this one it's going to get you thirsty again you drink it and a few hours later you've got to keep coming back now for many of us we're caught in cycles like that you know we don't want to do it but we do it because we need it it's like you know you may be kind of dabbling in some area of sin and you're like man I don't I really don't want to be here is there another way that I don't have to keep drawing from this well but because you kind of it's got claws into here you keep going back And you keep drawing and it satisfies you temporarily and then you're thirsty again. So you go back and you're like, man, I feel really bad. I I wish I didn't have to do that. I hope nobody sees me. And then you go again and you keep drawing and keep drawing. So that's where she was at. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you living water. She said, where can I get this living water? Only Jesus has the living water. But he wants to give it to each and every one of you. You see, we can drink and get thirsty, but what Jesus gives, he says, you'll never thirst again. What I'm going to give you will satisfy your thirst. It's amazing. It's incredible how it works. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a story of back home in Ireland, how I saw this, not only in my own life, but other people's lives. How I saw it was as simple as tasting and seeing that God is good. It was that simple. So I I began to stand on my streets uh, like Pastor Stephen referenced. I was a street evangelist for three years. And I'm out out in the streets. and I'm just talking to people, sharing. And this lady comes over to, uh, sorry, I go over to this lady. And she's there with like her two kids. One's like 19 and 23. And I go over and just show them this image of Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. I say, excuse me, man. I'm going to just ask you a question. Have you ever seen this picture? And do you ever pray? And she looks at the picture and she starts filling with tears. She looks at me, she says, I can't do this today. And she runs off down the street. So she's run off down the street, and I'm standing there with her son and daughter, and they're kind of like looking, and they're looking at the mom, and it's a little bit awkward, and they're like, we we better go as well. So they're kind of like good luck down the road. Now I'm standing there, and I was actually training a guy from America. Um, He'd been there to to get some of my training. So he was like standing there. He's kind of taking all this in and watching it all. So he comes over to me, he's like very enthused, and he says, hey, hey, what do you do in this kind of situation? Do you run after her, or do you respect her privacy? And I'm thinking, I don't know, I've never been in this kind of situation. <laughs> you know, the expert trainer that I am. Uh, so I'm like, uh, I didn't want to tell him that, you know, I'm thinking, um, I, I don't know really, uh, I'm going to go after her. You see, what happened was compassion filled me. Then I looked at this lady crying down the street, and I thought, man, I just want to hug her. I just want to give her a hug. So I ran down the street and I said, Madam, why are you crying? What happened? Did I say something? I'm sorry, did I offend you? She said, no, you don't understand. My my daughter was murdered like many years ago and it's Mother's Day today and every Mother's Day is very difficult for me. And when I looked at that picture, I just felt something in that hurt, touch that hurt. And I said, that's Jesus. He's touching that because he wants to heal you. And within minutes, I was able to lead her and her daughter to Jesus. There was a lot of tears and a lot of hugging. And he transformed that lady. Her name was Janet, and her daughter's name was Tanya. So they began to come along to my uh, new believers group. You know, we don't wait till Sunday for church. We say, hey, come to our home. And let's be family together. So we, bring, we brought them to our home and they began to come to our home. And then they came to church and her son got saved also. So there's the three of the family members walking with the Lord. A couple of months later, a couple of months in, things are going really good. They're growing in the Lord. And then the, the, the lady, the mom, Janet, the wife, she tells me about her husband. She says, look, I've got a husband called Neil. And he's, um, he's not really kind of overly keen on this whole Christian thing. He thinks you're brainwashing us. So I'm like, okay, let me meet him. And she's like, no, you you don't want to meet him. And I'm like, no, I do. Really, I do. And she's like, no, you don't. I'm thinking, no, it can't be that bad, surely, you know. Uh, So she wouldn't let me meet him. So anyway, one day, I have my meeting with him. I'm driving in my car, and I pick them up from their home to take them to church. You see, they didn't have a car, and I don't let things like that stand in the way. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to do whatever I've got to do in order to bring them closer to Jesus. To help them so i go and pick them up and in the car i have a two week old believer in the passenger seat i say this way because we drive on that side so for you guys it'd be there yeah okay so he's in the passenger seat with me two week old believer we're just picking these guys up nice and innocent what happens out comes the husband with his vest on covered in tattoos looking like someone from what's that movie american triple x or some some crazy fascist movie So the guy gets out like, uh, and he comes out like covered in tattoos, looking crazy, stands outside the door. He says, I'm going to come drag you out of that car and rip your head off with a few of the expletives in between. And he's going like a wild animal, but he's not talking to me. He's talking to the guy in my passenger seat, which is worse. So I open my door and I'm like, hey, hey, what's the the problem, man? And he just ignores me. And he's like, you, I saw you look at me. I'm coming for you. I'm going to kill you. And he's going like crazy, man. So his wife gets out the car and physically like restrains this guy, her husband. Physically pushes him in to the door and he's like, like, like going crazy. So we get into the car and we're a little shaken up. As you can imagine, especially this guy. And we're like, he's like, what kind of thing am I signed up for? What is this kind of group, you know? So it's meant to be about God and church and holiness. And he nearly got killed by some crazy fascist. So we drive down the road and then uh, his wife's like, look, I'm really sorry about that. You know, I'm really apologised. So we get there and he texts his wife um, and he says, "Um, look, I'm sorry. So the next day, the next day she messages and she says, he wants you to come to his house, to our home, because he wants to apologise. So I said, okay. So I go to his home and I walk in and there he is and he's like just like erratic and mumbling and, and he says, here, do you want a cup of tea? Because That's what we do in Ireland. So we, we drink a cup, of, I'm drinking a cup of tea and I'm like, okay. And he's just rambling and not making any sense. I'm like, uh, hey, can I, can I talk to you a minute? And he's like, yeah, what do, what do you want? I'm like, well, I'd just like to share something with you. So I said, hey, have you ever seen this picture before? And do you ever pray? And I begin to sh- try and share the gospel in two minutes. And he says, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's make something clear you don't come into my home and start preaching at me. You see, football's my church. Now this guy was a soccer hooligan. He was a head of a 500 men gang of soccer hooligans. He was the guy who called the shots. You see, uh, you guys call it soccer, yes. Yeah? So soccer, we have like these teams and before the match they'll meet and they'll like basically beat each other up real bad. Like that, so the guy, like they'll have the head gang guys, and they're like, We'll meet you here. And they meet and then they just fight. It's like a territorial thing, yeah? So he was the head of 500 Men Gang. Pretty crazy. He was part of the National Front, uh, the EDL, the English Defense League. He was a known racist. If he saw someone from different races, he would go and spit at them or punch them in a public place. He was kind of crazy. So this guy was pretty wild. Now I'm in the home with him, and he's like, Football's my church. And I'm thinking, This is going nowhere. Get me out of here kind of thing, you know? Um, so anyway, I kind of drank my tea politely. And then I said, I'm going to head on, yeah? I'll leave you to it. And as I'm leaving, I just felt like I need to pray for this guy. So I said, can I pray for you? And he's like, if you want. So I prayed. I just said, Lord, I just pray you, you touch Neil and, and that he would really experience you and soften his heart to you. Uh, amen. And I'm just kind of trying to get out of there, if I'm honest. So as I'm leaving, I'm feeling inviting him to your new believers group. I'm thinking, there's no way this guy is going to come to my new believers group. You know, what's going on? Anyway, so I'm like, listen, man, just want to let you know, if you ever want to come along, you're very welcome. I'll come, he says. I'm like, excuse me, what's that? (laughs) He said, I'll come, uh, not for me, for my wife. I just want to see what's going on and what you, you guys are all doing. So he comes along that evening. And it is like the book of Acts. We have 19 new believers in my living room incredible time incredible three years that what we experienced you got 19 new believers in my living room unchurched people and they're sitting there and then comes neil and his wife's in the corner she's like oh no oh no and she's like really really nervous and she's like saying to me at the beginning i'm really nervous i don't know what he's gonna do so he's just sitting there kind of there with his vest on and doing his thing and then uh, we just kind of do what we do you see we don't change the way we praise for anybody Jesus is worthy of all our praise, regardless who is in the room, whether it's this guy or, or the queen of England. Well, Whoever it is, we praise the way that he deserves to be praised, yeah? So we don't change our group. We don't mix it up. We say, I say, everyone, we're just going to do things exactly the same. But it's like an elephant in the room situation. So he's just sitting there, but we carry on. Now, halfway through the meeting, we, we, start, we have a prayer time. So we begin to pray. And as we're praying, he's sat there and he's kind of like wriggling around and he's like, Just looking really, like, uncomfortable. So people are trying to kind of, like, you know, concentrate, but they're sort of, like, noticing there's something going on. Anyway, he says, what's going on? In front of the the meeting, you know? And then I look up, and he's like, what's happening to me? (laughs) So kind of people are still trying to pray, but they're kind of like, am I allowed to look? Is Is the meeting stopping here? So I said, hey, Neil, stand up. So he stood up. He said, I said, what's going on? He said, for the past 20 minutes, my whole body's been on fire. And when I try and fight it, it comes back stronger. What's going on? I said, that's Jesus. I put this card in the hand of a two-week-old believer. Not this guy, different guy. Two-week-old believer. I said, read that to him. What is this? It's the gospel. He stands up and there's an image of it. He stands up. Somebody took a picture of it. He stands up and he reads. There it is there. He stands up. And he reads the gospel to this man. And a miracle takes place. He says at the end, do you want to follow Jesus? And this guy felt the Holy Spirit so strong. He said, yes, I do. And his whole countenance changed before everybody's eyes. And he got born again on the spot in my living room. It was incredible. And then four days later, he comes to the streets where I work. He says, teach me to do what you do. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's probably not going to go too good because he's a little bit. <laughs> he doesn't have kind of too many kind of restrictions. He just like, he doesn't have a filter, let's just say. <laughs> he, did, he can't like, he doesn't read or write very well and stuff um, just because of his background. But he comes and he's like, I want to do what you do. So I said, how can I say no? So I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I said, all you've got to do is read it. But the problem was he doesn't read very well. So we had to work through it. But the Lord is gracious. And the Lord moves despite our weaknesses. So Neil, within weeks, he came to me. He said, I don't feel the hate anymore for, for other people of other races. He said, let me tell you why I felt it. My brother was killed by an Asian drunk driver and I just had this hate for anybody who wasn't white. And he was part of this kind of fascist group. He says, but I don't feel it anymore. He says, in fact, it's more than that. I feel love for these people. I want to reach people of other races now, and especially Muslims. I really want to bring Muslims to Jesus. This is his passion, so you can show the next one. And he begins, this is him getting (laughs) baptised. Isn't that an amazing picture? Incredible picture of him getting baptized. For those who are in the first service, that's Ryan who baptized him with me, the guy on the left who also got saved from a crazy background. So Neil's whole life was transformed over two and a half years later and he's still going strong with Jesus. But you know what happened? If you guys are familiar with Nicky Cruz, some of you guys might be familiar with Nicky Cruz. David Wilkerson went to the gangs of New York and led a gang leader called Nicky Cruz Well, that's Nikki Cruz in the blue suit jacket. We got to spend some time with him when he came to Belfast. And I got to take two of my new believers to hang out with Nicky Cruz, which was fun. But Neil's whole family got saved. I got to baptize five family members of Neil's five family. And do you know why? And I'm going to tell you why. Because all I did was try and offer this living water. You see, Neil had tried a lot of things in life. He had a drink habit he used to spend 700 pound a week out partying with his friends but what he found was this that all those other drinks couldn't satisfy couldn't quench his thirst but when he tried the living water it did it it's not a big it's not a hard sell some people say to me oh yeah man you're really good you're like a salesman i'm like what am i selling it's free it's a, it's, a funny, it's a funny story, you know, when the Lord first gave me Jesus at the door, uh, my friend who got saved, I shared in the first service, he, he, me and him were drug addicts together and he died in front of my eyes and got resuscitated and got saved six months after me. He became a church planter. And in the middle of our move of God in, in Ireland, he was in England and he's watching it all and seeing it all. And then um, the Lord says to him, bring Scott and two of his new believers and, and they're going to work the whole area and you're going to plant a church on the last day. And he says... He says, no, I don't, really, I don't really buy it because it looks like a sales technique. It's what he's having I mean, this dialogue with the Lord. He's like, Jesus at the door seems like some sales pitch. And then the Lord said, do you remember how bad a salesman Scott was? You see, me and him, when we were drug addicts together and we had no money, and we were like, he's like, I can get us a job. They pay you like, all you got to do is work one week and they give you money. So I'm like, I'll do it, whatever. Desperate, you know. So he gets me this salesman's job and you got to sell like beauty products. Like facial scrubs and tanning towels and all this kind of stuff, you know? So we're, sit- we're there and I- oh, I'm just in my job, man. And I'm just like coming down from drugs, still on drugs, alcohol. I'm just sitting there, man, just like wiped out. Just like, we're, we're just waiting for the paycheck, you know? And then he's like, no, you, you got to like read- research the products and stuff. And he's like quite intelligent, this guy. And I'm like, man, I just, I'm not really interested in the product. I just want the money. And he's like, yeah, but you got to do it to get the money. So I'm just making it up as I go along people on the phone I'm like yeah man and I'm just winging it and anyway I was all I was bad so the end of the, the the end of the week I'm like down here bottom and my friend he's top so the lord reminded him Scott was a really bad salesman and then god said this this isn't sales this is me this is the gospel and we came and we did and he planted a church at the end of our 4 days but what I'm trying to tell you is this the gospel has power It has power to change your life and everybody else's. And what we saw with Neil and many others is the simplicity of the gospel where we say, just come and drink. Just come and taste. I remember myself, you know, when I was in the middle of my sin and in the middle of my lifestyle, sitting and one night I tried I was at a party and I sampled everything. You know, I'm sure you can imagine. Everything that this life has to offer, I tried it all. And I sat there and I began to weep because I was so empty inside of me. Like carnally, I'd filled to overflow. But you see, that can't satisfy you because there is a part of you that can only be satisfied by living water. And when you get that, when you taste, that thirst gets quenched and it changes everything. I was. In my community and we began to see God do amazing things people got saved just like these guys amazing things were happening but I thought it's not enough if they won't come to church why don't we take church to the people kind of made sense to me so I decided I would go to the five worst areas in my community like projects and these are like you guys familiar with the IRA so you have like these these paramilitary factions They'll shoot you well we still have that where I'm from an island people will like kick your door down uh, balaclavas on and shoot people so they kind of police the area through fear if they do if you do things they don't like racketeering you know uh, drugs and this kind of stuff so this was going on and I'm like let's take Jesus to these areas so I said to my pastor will you buy me a tent and I'll go and put a tent up in the field so I got a tent and I said who wants to come and go to the, these areas and tell everyone about Jesus. Now, as you can imagine, the line wasn't very big with people wanting to grab the pen off me to sign my, my uh, volunteer list. But there was a group of people who were off for going. They were the people who could remember what it felt like to be lost. See, some of us, we forget. We forget what it felt like to be without Jesus. We forget what it felt like to be thirsty. And no matter what you try, it cannot quench your thirst. You see, you don't have to have lived a life like his or mine. You can have other things in life. You can have the money, the cars, the house, the family, the the job, whatever, 2.4 kids. But you know inside that you're still thirsty, which is why you're dabbling, dabbling in the chat sites, doing this, doing this, whatever you're doing, because you're still thirsty. And what Jesus wants to do is quench your thirst. So I go and we get our tent and all my new believers, my little army, they come with me and we pitch up these tents every day. We we do a whole tent and then we do an evening, we do a crusade, share the gospel testimonies, pack the tent up and roll on to the next place. We do it for five five days and nights. On day number four, we go into one of the biggest housing estates in Europe go into this place, set the tent up. And as everybody's building the tent, this like storm comes out of nowhere and starts like shh, start bending the pot. I mean, we get a lot of wind and rain in Ireland anyway. But this was like out of the blue, just comes. And it's bending our poles, the tent poles. So we're trying to put this tent together. The wind and the rains come in. People are getting annoyed with each other. People are falling out with each other. You know, you should have had that probably at your fault. And I'm thinking, man, this is not going good. Maybe we should just pull the plug on this one. But we pressed in. And we had to have it to the point where we had like nine people holding the tent poles through the whole meeting. We broke every health and safety law and some. Because if they let go of the poles, the tent's going to fall down on everyone. So anyway, I give this altar call. I say, if you want Jesus, come to the front. And people are feeling like some of you guys right now. You're feeling God's spirit. You're feeling a stirring. Just like these people. You see, let me tell you this. You don't have to be in a church to feel Jesus. You can be on a street like we saw yesterday. You can be in a tent. You can be in a grocery store, in a gym. It makes no difference. He's everywhere. And he's offering you living water. So we stand and we say, come to the front if you, want to, if you want Jesus. If you want to taste and see that God is good, come to the front. This guy comes to the front. His name's Stuart. He steps up, 24 years of age, covered in tattoos, been in and out of prison. He had nine death threats from the paramilitaries. If you get one, you better leave town because they're going to kill you. He had nine. He was a wanted man. Lived a crazy lifestyle, violent lifestyle. Steps up and he just bows his head and then he begins to tremble as the power of God falls on him. And he goes, ah! And he lets out this cry of 24 years of pain. All the years of his life that he'd been trying to drink all of his years of his life where he'd been thirsty you know the difference between believers and non-believers let me tell you what it is we have tasted and we've had our thirst quenched where they're still running around or if you don't know Jesus you're still running around trying to find something that can satisfy you that's why when you look at someone who loves Jesus and knows Jesus they have like a certain glow about them it's because man they're not thirsty anymore You see, Jesus says when you drink this water, it's gonna bubble up inside of you and keep bubbling and keep bubbling into eternal life. It's never gonna stop bubbling. But if you've never tasted that water, you're still thirsty. So he comes to the front, he gives his heart to Jesus and he's weeping. And I say, Tell everybody what just happened to you. And I put my phone to him and he speaks for 45 seconds in an interview. And he says, Man, I don't really, I never really believed in God. Uh, my brother wanted me to come to church, but I didn't really want to go. But he, can't, he invited me to a tent, so I came, and then I felt this burning in my chest, and he gives his whole heart to Jesus. So there's a picture of Stuart before he got saved. So this is him before, and then there's another one of him. And then this is the day he comes, he gets saved at the tent. This is just after he got saved at the tent. There's one of him in a red, yeah. So here, I get, I, he gives his interview. And then the next one, this guy here on the left, he came to Jesus through Ryan, one of my guys. Ryan sold him a pair of trainers and then led him to Jesus because that's what we teach our guys to do. You know, any opportunity, you give him an invitation to accept Jesus. So he'd been walking with the Lord for six months. He's like, I really want my brother to come to church, but he wouldn't come. But he managed to get him to the, the field. So he comes, they both get saved. And then after that, Stuart begins to leave his life behind you can go to the next one he leaves his crazy life behind this is us worshiping together in church this is my all my new believers group we had a whole section in our church where we'd all hang out together and that's Stuart worshiping now Stuart left his whole life behind he was like career criminal crazy life he's like i'm gonna walk away from it what do i do now can i help out at church so we had him cleaning in church because he didn't know what to do so we're like what well, do you can do anything man so he's like hoovering and he's like cleaning and he's just happy to serve And he just gave his whole life to the Lord. People came to his home and and began to cuss. He said, don't come into my home and cuss anymore. This is God's home now. We heard that he was getting his his hair cut in the barbers and stuff. And and he was testifying about Jesus openly in the barbers as he's getting his hair cut. The Lord had done a total 180 in this young man. And I'm going to tell you this. He didn't go on any courses. He didn't study any books. You know what happened? He drank. He drank the living water, just like the woman at the well. She'd been building her life around things she thought could satisfy, but knowing it was only temporary, but that's all she had. Back and two, back and two, back and two, until Jesus comes along and says, hey, you don't need this. I can give you something that's gonna reveal your true identity, something that's gonna make you satisfied. It's living water, I can give it. She said, where can I get it from? And Jesus said, I can give it to you, because I am it. And he changed everything, just like this young man. So three and a half weeks go by, and I'm in England uh, a week before, and I'm speaking at a conference, and I get a phone call from Ryan, my guy Ryan. He calls me up, he says, Scott, Stuart's just died. I said, what do you mean he's just died? He said he went camping with his girlfriend, and he never woke up. You see, people die every day. We don't know when we're going to die. But it's going to happen. And we were shocked. Our whole community was shocked. He'd signed up to be baptized with his brother. He'd been signed, signed up to be an evangelist. I was going to train him on my street team. God, had, he had all these plans. And I said, Lord, why would this happen? Why would, why, why would you allow this to happen? And then the Lord showed me his grace and his mercy, that He is so kind that a man who's lived a crazy life three and a half weeks before he was going to take his last breath, he said, hey, come drink. Come drink. And when you drink, it's going to bubble up inside of you, son. And it's going to bubble up into eternal life. And I know Stuart is with Jesus now. And that makes me happy. And his mom came to me at the funeral she said, Scott, would you speak at the funeral? I said, Of course. She came to me with tears in her eyes and she said, For three weeks I got my son back. For three weeks I got my son back. Thank you. I said, Thank Jesus because he's the one who did it. And I spoke at the funeral and there was no church because they're not religious. They said, Hey, you just got to speak at the graveside. So the, grave, the coffin was lowered and I just stood at the grave and I said, Look, I know Stuart was no angel. I know that he lived a crazy life. And all you guys that know him, you know that he lived a crazy life. But you also know that that man, for the last three and a half weeks, was different to the man you knew. You know that he became a brand new man. And I'm going to tell you how. Because Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood. And you see, one drop of that blood can make the dirtiest sinner clean. But also, what you got to know is this, that you maybe didn't live a crazy life like him, but also you need that blood because you're dirty without it. So do any of you guys want to respond? And I gave an invitation at the graveside and people responded and people began to weep as they realized that they're sinners too. And they realized that, man, if they end up in this coffin like we all will one day, do they really know that this is going to bubble up into eternal life? All the Stewart's family got saved. They all came to our new believers group. And the Lord really showed me that there is an urgency for the gospel. There's an urgency. We don't know when we're going to take our last breath. There was, you know, they did a toxology report because of Stewart's background. They thought maybe he dabbled with drugs before he died, but he didn't. There was no, There was nothing suspicious. The night before he died, he prayed for his sister. They were going to church the next day. And he prayed for his sister. He went to sleep and he was due to go to church that next day. Man, we don't know when we're going to die. I don't know. But I care about you. And I don't want you to have to face what we face without Jesus. You see, you're living a life. If you don't know him, you're living your life. Going from well to home to home to well. And you're just trying to satisfy yourself but you know you're not satisfied. And I know myself that without Jesus, man, I was thirsty. And I, I had a drug overdose and I saw the gates of hell. I, cu- I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 15. I gave 50%. And then I had a drug overdose at the age of 24 and I was on my way to the gates of hell. And I knew that giving 50% of me was about to take 100% of me to hell. You see, you can't make deals with God. You can't stand before him and say, Listen, God, God, you know, man, I went to church for 20 years. I gave in the offering. You know, I, I kind of was I gave to charity. I didn't really sin a whole lot. And I say, Yeah, but did you drink? You see, this bottle of water here, you can look at it and you can be thirsty and you can say, Hey, I believe that he's holding a bottle of water, and I believe that it exists. And you can take it home from me and you can put it on your bedside cabinet and you can look at it and you can talk to it before you go to sleep. But I'm going to tell you something. Until you open, take the top off it and apply it to your lips and drink, you'll still be thirsty. And the truth of it is this. Unless you apply the living water that Jesus gave everything for you so that you could drink, until you apply it, it's not going to quench your thirst. And it will not lead to eternal life. It will not bubble up to eternal life. So what he's asking today is this, will you come and drink? Will you come and drink from living wells, from living water? Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, in Jesus' name, for anybody who doesn't know you, really know you, for anybody who's playing around, for anybody who's just gone to church, saying prayers, just doing their thing, trying to keep you happy, trying to tick a box. I ask you to shine a light on them right now in this moment. I thank you that we don't have to go to a place that is barren from you. We read in the book of Luke, chapter 16, we read a story about the rich man and the poor man called Lazarus. And the story ends where the rich man is in hell in flames and anguish and the poor man is in heaven and Abraham is on the other side with the poor man and the rich man says, please dip your finger in water and call cool my tongue. Just one drop because I'm in agony right now. I'm, I'm being burnt alive. Just give me one drop of water. That is all I want. He could have asked for anything. What does he ask for? He asked for one drop. You see, water signifies God's mercy And God's presence, that living water, but He couldn't have it. You see, hell is devoid of God's is void of God's mercy. You see, in life, where you have breath, you have overflowing rivers of mercy that are at your disposal. Every second, every breath you take, there is there are rivers of living water that are being extended and offered out to you, just like right now. You can just come and drink. And drink and drink but when you go here when you end up in this place uh, the place where you'll pay for your sin the place where i was going to a place called how when you go there not only is it separate from god but it is separate from his mercy and mercy no longer is available so you will stay there and in that place you know the only one thing he wanted was one drop of water because he realized that it is living water that he needs that can quench his thirst So I want to ask you guys right now, if you don't know that when you close your eyes on earth, you'll open them face to face with Jesus and say, all is well with my soul. Thank you, Lord. Enter in. If you don't know that, if you're still dissatisfied, then I want to ask you, come and drink from the living water. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to respond. If you don't know Jesus and you want to, I'm going to ask you to respond and raise your hand to heaven. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to respond. And you're saying to Jesus, I want a drink. Here's my life. I give it all to you. One, Jesus loves you and He died on the cross for your sin. Two, He rose again on the third day and free he is at your side right now and he says give me your hand raise your hand high to heaven if you don't know him and you say here I am I want to give my life to you raise your hand don't be ashamed he's saying Jesus I give you everything I want to taste and see that you're good just raise it high don't be ashamed we've got nothing to be ashamed about in this place You're saying Jesus thank you for what you did for me thank you that you made a way that I don't have to be thirsty anymore but I can know you for real. You raise your hand in this moment. Say, here I am. This is a holy moment. And we don't know when these moments come along. These moments only come sometimes. You wave it. You you raise your hand with with pride. Don't be ashamed. Don't be putting a little finger up. You raise it high, man. He hung on a cross in a city for you where Jesus hung on a cross in the center of Jerusalem and he hung naked for you. Why? So he can give you this right now. So don't be ashamed, please. You have no reason to be ashamed. Anybody else? You say, Jesus, here I am. Here's my life. Here I am. Anybody else? Anybody else? Holy Spirit, move in every every heart in this place. I ask you right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, touch every heart, move upon every heart right now, Lord, for Your glory, be exalted in this place. Jesus, we love You. Holy Spirit, shine, rest upon every individual. Okay, those with your hands in the air, stand to your feet. Stand now. Stand. Stand, in Jesus' name. Stand. Stand. Anybody else? Stand. You say, Lord, here I am. I want You. I want You. If you can't stand in a church of people that love you, you'll never stand out in a world uh, who are going in the wrong direction. If you can't make a stand in this place, you'll never stand out there. So stand and stand strong. Say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. I'm here for you. Thank you for what you did for me. Here I am. Okay, everybody standing up, come down to the front. We're going to pray for you. Come, come on down. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Come on down here. Come on down. Come on down. You guys line up here. Come on down. We're going to pray for you. Hey. Come on down. We're going to pray for you folks. Come on. Okay, let's pray for you. Why don't you just hold out your hands to receive this gift that God's going to give you. Holy Spirit, I ask you for each and every one of these guys right now, I ask you to bless them. I thank you that you love them so much. You guys, just receive this love that Jesus is going to pour upon you. Thank you that you love them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them bless them thank you you love them so much just touch them right now touch that shame that place of shame just touch it right now Jesus name thank you Lord bless them bless them bless them them. now Jesus doesn't come in uninvited he's a gentleman he wants your permission so we're going to pray and we're going to give him permission to come on in okay the Bible says if you pray and you mean it the door will be open. Not if you just pray, talk is cheap. But if it comes from your heart and you say it, then it gets done. So we're going to pray from our hearts with our mouth, okay? I want you guys to do one thing for me before we pray. I want you to, to close your eyes. And I want you to picture Jesus before you on the cross. And I want you to imagine him looking at you. Because I want you to know right now what he did is when he hung on that cross, he was looking at you and he said, I see this moment and I'm going to take everything you've ever done. I'm going to pay for it all in this moment. So he's already paid for it, but you're just accepting it. He wrote the check in his blood, and now you're cashing it in. Okay. Let's say it together. Jesus, I open the door of my heart. I let you in. I say sorry for all of my sin. I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to live for you. I thank you that I'm a child of God. And Holy Spirit, I just want to pray for you guys now. Lord, I ask you that you'd seal them with your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Seal them right now. You're not abandoned. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you, you receive His love. Holy Spirit, just seal them with your love. Put that fire in their heart, Lord. Put a boldness inside of their heart. Let them live for you in Jesus' name. I wanna ask you guys one thing, Jesus' name. As you leave here, just fill them with your love. As you leave this place and over the next 24 hours, I wanna give you a challenge. The Bible says that when you confess Jesus before men, He confesses you in heaven. I want, to, I want to ask you to do this. There are too many people like you who don't know Him. And how are they ever going to hear if we don't tell them? So what I want to ask you to do is this. Over the next 24 hours, to tell three people what you've done here this morning. Three people. Could be anyone. Family, friends, strangers, anyone. Just tell three people what you have done by making this decision. That's it. If they ask you questions, that's different. That's okay. If you want to say more, that's okay. But at least... Just tell three people what God has done. You see, there's a lot of thirsty people out there and they need what you've drunk today. And I just want to give a little challenge to you guys sitting down here. If you knew that people in your community were dying of a terminal illness and this water could cure their illness, you would leave this building right now, go and knock on their door and go and give it to them well I'm going to tell you this without the living water they're dying of a terminal illness it's called sin and it will take them to hell so what you need to do is give them the opportunity to drink because it will change their life so Holy Spirit I pray you would empower us and encourage us to know that what we have in the gospel is eternal I bless these guys here thank you that you love them bless them and fill them with your power Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. I want to give these guys a round of applause.